0: Hello, and welcome back to JLXP. Uh, happy to have Emily back on the show. Thank you for joining me one more time. Three calendar weeks since you've been on the show, but only two LCS weeks. So still keeping yeah. up the every other week of LCS summer on the show. And this was this was a very, very interesting week. We only had one team go 2-0. So just lots of up and down stuff. Um, but I think the top story is we were talking about what we wanted to lead with is actually gonna be TSM only because, like, I mean, even from this show, I did a whole episode dedicated to them on Tuesday when they changed 60% of their starting roster and some of their Academy team. You uh there was a discussion on waiting room about their roster changes today. Mm-hmm. Their GM even gave like extra statements or their social team gave extra statements, and they got a pentakill <laughs> and won a game. So there's there's a lot to unpack. What what do you want to start off with for TSM?
1: It's the it's the last part that I guess I'll start with because, like, obviously our expectations were that this roster was going to have a tough time together because they hadn't, yeah. by their own admission, um, I know, I think it was Chime who was saying, like, we've had very, very little time together mm-hmm. to actually, like, practice and prepare, and that does make a difference uh, if you don't have nearly as much experience, especially in a bot lane duo. Um, so it was really cool in particular, to see him and Instinct come out and have such a phenomenal game against FlyQuest today. Mm -hmm. Um, Chime is someone that we... He was added to the... He wasn't like an automatic promotion. Yeah, he wasn't even on the Academy
0: team. He just jumped over from Golden Guardians Academy.
1: Yeah, so basically they promoted Instinct. who was already there. They promoted Soul for a completely different thing. The bot lane was... Performance based, the top lane was that Huni, who you and I spoke with, uh, mm-hmm. kind of behind the scenes about like his first injury and stuff. Yep. So um, that's a completely different thing, and he'll decide what he's going to do and what his future is in League yep. of Legends later on. Um, but yeah, like this is the big story for me coming out of TSM was how well the spot lane was able to perform today because I, th- I think, yeah, first soul people already like we listened to cubby talk about it i talked to a bunch of people behind the scenes i watched him in proving grounds um as anime as anime girl yeah. uh, i was like this this kid is like obviously very talented he's improved so much in a really short amount of time he's obviously very dedicated he's incredibly charismatic um so for him it was just He's getting his chance sooner than expected before he might not be ready. Mm-hmm. But with the spot lane, you heard Cubby talk about it where he's like, "I think instinct isn't that great." Um, Chime performed well previously, but obviously his team's results this summer thus far haven't been as good. So, and that's due to some other circumstances yeah. as well. So you can't really hold that against him. But like, we were like, we don't really know what to expect from them, and. Absolutely. Just to see them showing up after prefacing this whole thing with commenting on how the org handled this and Mm -hmm. what our expectations were was just really, really cool. Chime definitely deserved that pog. Mm -hmm. I voted for him. I hope it was a unanimous one. It wasn't. Because he just had such a great... (laughs) What?
0: Yeah, so I I mean, I guess I shouldn't reveal votes, but like, because you on the caster desk they ask you and it's not like the analyst desk where we're kind of like chatting with each other you basically just like think about it hit your talk back button enter your team but i believe i said chime and then freak said a different player and azale also said a different player
1: ooh so i okay. think
0: and i think there are three people that could have deserved it um actually like that was the weird thing about that game from tsm is it actually did feel like more of a complete win partially because <laughs> they were so conservative for most of the game. Spica did start the game 5-0, but so much of that was actually him kind of last hitting. Like, the first river fight where they got first blood was Instinct hiding in the dragon pit, landing a Zeri W over mm-hmm. the wall, and chimes Recon flying in. He just gets it. Then the next one was like Spica getting caught, and then a Meganar teepees in, whose soul <laughs> stuns two people against wall. Oh, by the way, both of those kills went to Spica. And then even the final fight when Instinct picked up the pentakill like Maple had a really good exhaust and zoned everyone mm-hmm. back with the Swain ultimate. So uh, things did really happen as a team rather than individual things popping off in a lot of those moments, which is why I think it would actually be a fairly difficult Pog, but you and me are in 100% alignment because we've both played it for <laughs> time. So clearly we're the right ones.
1: You touched on something there that's really important though for this TSM team and actually the most impressive. So obviously we touched upon individual players a little bit just due to expectations. Mm-hmm. The most impressive thing about this was that it was a team win. And not only that, but TSM actually did something that we've been super critical of other teams for not doing as much, which is once they realized they had a lead or an advantage, Mm. they actually pushed it really hard. And Mm. I think that is exactly what this team composition did need to do because going up against a quirky, jinx, late game uh is not fun um and, and even like i mean you can you can put arguments aside about scaling and stuff like that but if one of these 5v5 fights goes wrong for tsm FlyQuest comp suddenly just gets to a point where they can contest every objective as mm-hmm. five and it's a little bit more difficult for tsm there so the thing that most impressed me is like okay we have the lead we're invading redside jungle we're pushing the pace of this game. We're not gonna let FlyQuest have a window back in through team fighting. And I I think FlyQuest had like one team fight win where it looked like they might come back. But mm. overall, that was the thing that impressed me the most about this TSM lineup is that whoever was making those calls, they were doing it and the team was moving together and they were pushing their advantages.
0: Yeah. And I have to I think we've, we've heaped a lot of TSM praise on, which I think is warranted for this particular game. But I mm-hmm. also uh, just feel like this adds so much more complexity to the rest of the discussion because I don't think it necessarily changes what has happened in the past week where there was very inconsistent communication around what the changes were i can understand it having worked behind the scenes on a team how sometimes you can't actually say exactly what's happening like my read like my guess from what happened with tsm here is they were pressured to make changes to make things better but then they were not given budget to make things better and a gm is never going to say that like hey Mm -hmm. we think soul instinct and chime give us a chance of winning, but if we had the pick of the litter, we would have picked someone else. Like, that would just be a stupid thing for any team to say, even though I think that is actually fairly close to the truth. And it worked very well in this FlyQuest game, where FlyQuest had been on an absolute tear, beating C9, looking like one of the stronger teams. But then also, we look at yesterday, and TSM got obliterated by C9. Mm -hmm. So it, it gives me... I basically think it gives me pause and I'm thinking more and more this split, maybe more than usual. It feels like any team that we have a positive view on, because we are actually trying, <laughs> like we are literally trying to make positive things happen, like give credit where it is due. But the instant we say like CLG, they've improved. They started three and 0 they're now five and uh, four. Mm-hmm. Fly quest. Yes, guys, pay attention to them. They, they, lose, to, uh, they lose to TSM. I, I just wrote down they lose to Immortals, but that wasn't, that wasn't the case. Um, but like they just it just doesn't feel like these teams can consistently deliver on the hype that we were giving them, and I wonder if we just overreact to the positive things. And that's what I'll have to watch with TSM because I, I still feel like they are heavily focused on the results because the results elicit the things they want. Right? It elicits the fans mm-hmm. being happy. To, it elicits us to speak positively and highly of the players. Um, so absolutely, I think they would be completely foolish to not give these five a run back at least for another week, even though that didn't even seem clear from their initial announcement. So like TLDR, I am very happy for the players for what they accomplished, but I, I am 100% not like, oh yeah, should have never doubted them. Like, Of course the changes were warranted. I'm not going to go that far mm-hmm. in the other direction either.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of nuance that you obviously can't bring to the timing on broadcast, which you and yes. I both have had conversations with about narrative building. So we'll yeah. put, I guess, we'll put a pin in that <laughs> yeah, for later because yeah. I know we're going to have a discussion on it yep. down the road.
0: Yeah, uh, and it was uh, it was C9 who actually lost to Mortals, which is another team yep. who we were ready to to say say was great, but um, any. Any kind of final thoughts on the TSM that we saw this week? I think storyline-wise, it is absolutely amazing. There's two things I want to touch on, I realize now. Amazing that Instinct got that pentakill kill for him. It actually breaks my heart a little bit for Tactical, because I feel like he never got a chance to play with Chime, and Chime did a great job setting Instinct up for success in this game, and if Instinct continues to play well, Tactical is not going to get another chance on this TSM roster. Um, The second one would be Soul, and how much... I think people can like him, at least from the very small mm-hmm. things we have seen. Uh, I talked about this in my 10 Thoughts episode where when a team is losing, it is so important that someone is able to bring energy in any type of positive way, whether it is through gameplay, through a solution to something, or literally just being happy. And like the way Sol in his post game interview so quickly complimented everyone on the team is just a possibly a very good presence to have around, as long as he's not like going 0-9 every game, then it could be like super tilting. But he played really well as as well. So I have of of all the new players on that team, Soul to me looks like the most uh interesting long term prospect.
1: And he definitely, like when we talk about his game one, I know Raz brought it up and I really agreed with this, is that some of the things that happened in that game, obviously he <laughs> He ended up getting really, really <laughs> shoved in and really, really kind of uh, uh, abused by a C9 yep. uh, and fudge in that game. But I think one of the things that Raz was quick to point out is a lot of it is like he's stalling for time, but then he this massive stacked wave is just crashing into his mm-hmm. turret. And so one of the first things you kind of learn more when you get to a pro level is like, I need to make sure I'm communicating this constantly with my team being like you know someone go catch that or like we need this wave is like he's prepping the wave maybe we want to pay attention top side yep. i'm gonna get dove etc so um that is and that's not like an individual mistake necessarily it's just like another step in terms of team communication that yep. you end up figuring out hopefully in academy prior but obviously like we said this is a very rapid promotion so uh, he looked a lot more coordinated with the team already after uh, after one game. So. Yeah,
0: going to be really interested to see TSM next week in the second round robin and if this can be the kind of fresh start they need. But a team that doesn't need a fresh start, uh, eight and one EG, it's they're actually two games ahead of everybody else in the LCS because of their. Pretty dominant win against TL today, which could have, like, if TL wins that one incredibly important head to head matchup, it actually would have put TL into first because they would have had the one game tiebreaker over EG and both teams would have been seven and two. But with everything that's happening, like G2 over in Europe, I think they're what four and five after coming yeah, back they from MSI. They
1: slipped to like the basically because a lot of the, um, a lot of the unexpected LEC teams, I guess, mm. have been doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Like people didn't expect uh, Excel to do as well as they are. Misfits picked it up. They are now on a five-game win streak. Um, even Astralis had like a really, really strong start, and they've kind of been yeah. brought back down a bit. But like it's been very, very volatile, especially yeah. in the middle of the pack. And so yeah, G2 are now four and five, tied with Astralis in yeah. in like seventh.
0: And that's, that's kind of like the MSI hangover that maybe you would have expected from EG, especially when EG was 9-9 nine and nine in spring split. But now they are one game short of equaling their spring win total through just the first half. And they've looked like so good doing it. They've won three of four Player of the Week awards, two of them to Inspired. This last week went to Danny, who just had absolutely absurd stats when we looked at it afterwards for the week. Like... 90 plus percent kill participation, 40% of the team's kills, like a thousand DPM, uh, really high KDA. Absolutely just nutty numbers. And I thought his Ezreal performance was was super good, but it it becomes more than that because the team does seem just very clean and every like right it is hard to find a negative thing to say about them. And I guess like maybe a point of conversation for them is. We've talked before about how it is hard to look good on a bad team. Mm -hmm. And the same way it's hard to look bad on a good team. Like right now, EG is definitely benefiting from that second part where if someone is off, the rest of the team bridges that gap until they can find their way on again. Like when Impact got uh, solo killed by Gomsu, GP versus Shyvana, Mm -hmm. but then still was given the time to come back in the game. To you, what is clicking so well for the EG team that maybe they didn't have in spring?
1: I think there are two things. One is that I think their drafting has been really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like even, especially in TL's game, it really seemed like they were going to anticipate that zillion pick. And they also very obviously, and I talked to both Danny and Inspired about this uh, when I was able to do interviews um, two weeks ago, uh, is that one of the things that, has improved a lot and kind of something that inspired highlighted going in that they figured out a little bit more at MSI was like his jungle to lane communication. Mm-hmm. And you see just like, even the most, you know, basic rudimentary stuff, like, Oh, where am I going level three to mess up? I'm going to mess up the solution, not me, lane, you know, right. because that's going to be the pushing lane. And like, sure, that's really simple, but like just that kind of much stronger coordination and, using Inspired's intelligence to be able to recognize exactly where he needs to be. I talked with Danny about it uh, in the MF game they had where it was something very similar. It's like opposite pushing bot. Inspired's already there. Um, We've seen a lot from Inspired as well where they save like Jungle Pick for 4-5. He locks in something like Kane. Um, I think just the overall drafting of this team that we saw kind of... Flashes of this where they recognize that their players can play a variety of different things in certain situations and Mm -hmm. we did see them try that out a few times last split and Mm. they were kind of universally panned for it due to the way the game played out um the way they executed around those drafts or just difficulty of execution versus what they were going up against Mm. and i think this split Everything they've locked in, they've been able to execute really well. True. And that speaks to not only strong drafting, but just a strong understanding of what this team's capable of.
0: Yeah, and I liked when JoJo joined the analyst desk after his game as well. I, I loved his answer when he was asked, of like, what did you learn the most from playing against the MSI midlaners? Uh, like Faker and, and everybody that was there. And he said, how much they actually just sack... For the team,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's true. Like Shao'hu's Galio is just never mid lane; <laughs> he's just always somewhere else taking over the game. And I think even though JoJo was already a fairly good facilitator and team fighter, he's almost kind of trying to turn that up this year. With I think I mean you talked about it with me yesterday. Like, why is no one playing Lissandra? Well, JoJo is playing Lissandra every game because it's super good and it super suits the playstyle that he wants to play, especially when you're able to trust your teammates. But he he's, he's just playing a high level of trust in his teammates. He's roaming a lot, um, and he's, he's actually putting the MSI practice to good use, which usually I feel like is a meme. Like at the start of, you know, back in 2014, whenever an NA team would get smashed by a Korean or Chinese team, it was always like, we learned so much. Like we're going to uh-huh. come back so much stronger and it was just never true. But this time with that answer and then mentally linking it with the way I'm seeing them play, it actually does look like they've made adjustments and it's worked out for the better, which I, I got to commend them for.
1: That's really interesting. Cause you could kind of see that in, in flashes of Jojo. Like I remember that were in Italy game that everyone just like went in on EG for right mm-hmm. in the game five. Um, Jojo was the one after whoever called off a dive top because like they're prepping for it, yeah. And someone called off a dive top. I don't know who it was. I just saw the ping, and uh, I just saw the ping go down. Then nothing responds. Jojo responds because he realizes he's gonna have to like they do have to do something mm-hmm. with this renectin, right? And it is mistimed, and he gives up. I think three whole waves for it is Mm. what it ends up being. And everyone was pointing at this and they were like, oh, see, like JoJo doesn't understand. But to me, that was kind of a recognition of like, sure, is the execution good? No, but Mm. he recognizes what he has to do. And he recognizes that as a mid laner, his part of his job in this game is going to have to be to help snowball this top side. So it's really cool that that was the thing he brought up. Mm-hmm. on our desk because it's putting to practice something that we saw him kind of struggling with. Isn't the right word, but like we saw the thinking going into place, but the execution wasn't there. And now the execution's a lot better.
0: Yeah. And on the conversation we had earlier about having like a positive person around the team, I think Jojo fits that bill too. <laughs> like he just seems like he's a really fun guy to be on a team with. So I think that's gotta be helping EG a little bit as well. Falcon too. Um, okay. Next team. They, they just have a good vibe right now. I'm really happy with this team. Yeah, same. They, they did beat TL, and I guess the question that I have written down here is how much ground does TL have to make up, but it can, in general, be more of a TL discussion because this is a team with astronomically high expectations who is delivering above-average results. They're mm-hmm. they're tied for second. That's fine. That's You can be tied for second and very easily still win the split. But... It is also not fine because of the expectations they have, because of the players that they have. And um, this week, they had a just completely ballooned lead against Golden Guardians, one of the biggest stomps we've seen this year. But then almost threw the game away because they got really sloppy with their execution closing the game. And then obviously their game against EG today, they try and play Nami. It gets a little bit ahead, but then just Hansama dies over and over again because EG is able to find kills onto him. What is your diagnosis of this TL team, and should they be worried?
1: So in terms of like, should they be worried, as in are they still probably going to make playoffs? Are they still probably going to represent any world? I think they are. But I think the team themselves, their coaching staff and their fans are not gonna be happy if they continue to play the way they are, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because mm-hmm. and that's not just due to expectations necessarily, but it's also just due to I mean, I guess part of his expectations in terms of we've seen what every single one of these players can do in a like at their best. Right. Right. And so uh if when you have a team like this and you have them come into this split, and one thing I really loved when we were super high on TL after week one, right? Was like they came out and they were like, We figured out or Whippo was the one that said we figured out how we want to play. Yep. We want to play around bot lane, we're gonna be a bot focused team. And then you had uh I believe Santorin coming out in their next interview saying, We want to be more proactive, right? I actually think for the most part, I know people are going to rip apart his Udir game um, a, a few weeks ago in the. I think it was the 100th place loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that and, and some of his other games uh, that were like really, really close wins that mm. they, you know, that they nearly lost uh, and they came back due to some maybe. Yeah. poor play heroics. from their opponents yeah uh sure yeah well, <laughs> frame it positively heroics uh i think the the question is like how inspiring is this team if if they are going to be the a world's representative which we're still like fully expecting right so yep. it is kind of expectations and it, and that has has to do with like the way that they play and the specifically, I'm gonna target their mid game actually because I feel like whenever you're like, oh, team's not being proactive enough, you always look at the early game, right? Well, when I'm looking at their early game, I actually still think it's like pretty solid. Like Santorin yep. is doing his best to facilitate their lanes. I like that they've been locking in pushing bot lanes. Um, obviously, I know Hans and Core later came on and was just like. Moo Mumu is like win lane, win game, and if you don't win lane, you're you know you're screwed. And mm-hmm. they've tried out the Lucian, Nami, and and I don't think that lane has necessarily uh, the sparkle that it once had. Let's just say, but I don't hate what they're doing early. Yeah, what I think their issue is for me is how sometimes hesitantly they play in the mid game. And or they overreach into a composition that is scaling. So like a lot of the mistakes from TL that we see end up being punished are mid to late game mistakes where they are either like overreaching Mm -hmm. or they are not pushing their advantage enough. And obviously those are two very different things. And you're like, well, Emily, it sounds like you're contradicting yourself. And it's not contradictory once you take in the context of the game state, and that is the thing that is very difficult. It's a mm-hmm. difficult thing to fix. Yeah, uh, and it is something that I actually do think, because I have a lot of respect for these players and their coaching staff. I do think that they can fix it. Yeah. Um, but I also think looking at some of their issues. That is a difficult fix because it's probably ingrained in them as players, yeah. if that makes and,
0: sense. And I would say that they have so many options based on how all of these players have won in the past. I mean, like, mm. you can throw Bjergsen on a control mage, or... Right, you can try and put him on lane dominant early game stuff because he's had success with both. Like you can have Hansa core try to dominate lane, or you can have him pick scaling and try and win team fights. You can have Whippo try and dominate lane early, or you can put him on Ornn. Like they can do, they can do any of these things. But really, simplifying is something that we thought they were able to do after week one. But I think even after stating it, there are things that they haven't been able to consistently do. So like. I can point at draft as like a microcosm of the larger issue of not being able to focus in. So mm-hmm. in the 100 Thieves game, even though they've said they wanted to play more aggressive, they had a team comp that didn't give them the tools to be more aggressive. And then what was really interesting to me, it's like a small nugget Cor said when he was on the desk with us in Sama because we had him respond to both Wippo saying that we wanted to play through bot lane and then mm-hmm. Santorin and Bjergsen saying that we want to play more aggressive. Core was like, well, we have Hansama. So, like, he's the... Core said, you know, Hansama's the best AD carry in the LCS, so why don't mm-hmm. we just put him on the best champions? That doesn't mean play through bot, right? Like, because because Lucianami is let's play through bot early game, but Ezreal Yumi... Mm-hmm is let's put best player on best champion, which is what Danny did to them today, right? So, like, even in the, like, we should play through bot, that can mean two completely different things. It can mean, let's play, so Han Salma can be Danny, which is what I actually think EG's identity is. Everyone plays this, like, up-tempo, good team comp stuff, and then Danny's always on something that can hard carry the game. I think, honestly, I think that's what TL should probably do, but they've done so many bouncy versions that mm-hmm. i think it's creating just some confusion in exactly what they what they want to do
1: i will say in terms of like the whole mid game not not pressuring enough mm-hmm. in particular like that that uh, 100 thieves game i feel like if you're looking at some of these team compositions, and again, I know people are going in on the Udyr. I think if you're going to have. I don't have, care
0: about the Udir, I think it was fine. Yeah,
1: I, I don't care about the Udir either. What I do care about, though, is the Quirky with the Kalista, and not because they're both bad champions. They're both incredibly strong mm. champions. And I feel like people who listen to me on the desk must think I hate Kalista. I actually think she's like really, really strong right now. But. Uh, you have to continuously shove your advantage with her because she has mm-hmm. so much Prio. she has so much kill pressure in dives. Um, she has like a lot of cool setup with different support combos. Obviously I talked about the amumu the one they ran was the Renata. Um, and you need to just like throttle your opponent. And I'd mm. love to see that out of them too. Like Han mm. Sama, he's a Draven player. Like, you know what, man? Like, put him on Draven. Like, put him on <laughs> put him on something where they just like hard hard focus. I'd also like to see that too. Like, uh, that would be very fun for me. And I think it is interesting that you bring up like what does bot focus even mean? Like, are we yeah. playing around prio around pushing lanes or? like you brought up with EG, are we putting our carry on something that we know they can just dart in and out of team phase? It's like, Danny's TPing in as flanking Ezreal. And you know what? It works. (laughs) Um, So figure out what what Han-sama wants to do and then facilitate him from there.
0: Yeah, and the the only thing I'll add, uh, because you know how much I love analogies, is uh, just really making sure that the fundamentals and the basics are there. Like a lot of the early or mid game or like even like ending the game issues that they are having can be traced back to fundamentals of like, let's call out TP timers and let's make sure when we're showing on waves that we know where the other people are. Like, so the analogy here is like professional golfers. People think they're so damn good, but literally if they get off, they, they go right back to like, what is the very first thing if you're teaching someone golf to learn? It's like, how do you hold the golf club? They will check their grip because it may have shifted and that could be causing them issues. They will check their alignment. Like, are they actually aiming where they think they're aiming? Because feel is different than real. And it's like, does everyone actually have the same fundamental steps that they take? Because I think this is, there's, they're probably just taking some of these things for granted, which could be leading to issues. But yeah, that's enough time on TL. They're, they're six and three. Going back to basics, never a bad thing, would be, would be the lesson there. Um, I, we touched on this earlier. We said we put a pin in it, but why does every team we try and hype just fall back down the moment we believe in them? Fly quests the best losing. of
1: one suck. <laughs> no. a, a little
0: bit. Like a little bit, you have to really check yourself. There's an element of excitement, but when they are so reliably turning back to like a pumpkin, uh, then it, it makes us, it makes me hesitant to get excited about teams, especially this yeah. year.
1: I think so. So the drawback, and you and I talk a lot about this, just trying to figure out what we want the desk to be and what Mm -hmm. we want to be focusing on on broadcast specifically um and i think you and i are two people who are very interested in like the mechanics of the broadcast you know like the setup and what segments we're doing and what we want to accomplish um for short term because like the argument i always hear for best of ones and I'll I'll put this out there. Okay. I've never been a fan of best of ones, so like obviously Mm -hmm. that is my bias. So Mm -hmm. anyone watching this or listening to this, this is not something new. If you've ever heard me talk about it, but I'm throwing that out there, right? Because I'm obviously biased against best of ones. I think there is an argument for them, and then that argument is it makes things really exciting in the immediate, right? Like it makes for upsets. Yeah, it makes for upsets, like we saw from. Um, the TSM FlyQuest game today, right? Like, it makes things really volatile. Like, it's it's essentially, like, forced volatility because at any point, you can just, you know, lock in a really, really good draft that counters what your opponents do, and if you're within a certain bracket of, like, being able to face off against each other, which I do think all LCS teams are, Mm -hmm. um... You can win that game in a best of one, and then suddenly it's like, Whoa, look at this crazy upset! That's nuts. Um, and it's definitely why they're always a part of um international like group stages, right? For League of Legends, that's one of the things that's where you get your like massive upsets. That's when you can talk about some of these teams that you might not have spoken about otherwise, because in a best of three format it then becomes a lot more obvious. You can get away with a bad draft, come Mm -hmm. back and win two games. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, best of series are great for constructing narratives across an entire season because you, you still will have some like, quote unquote, like pretenders, but even with like pretenders in the LPL or the LCK You can still look at those teams and there will be something that you can point to from week to week to week that is consistent. That is a lot easier to see because you're playing more games. And because those games, when they come back to back to back or just back to back, Mm -hmm. you can see their their drafting strategy. You can see the team in like a more holistic way. And then the individual games might not be as exciting. And it's just like more League of Legends. So In terms of narrative building, best of ones honestly suck ass for that over like the course of a domestic season.
0: Yeah, especially for the really dedicated fans. Like the people that just want to consume as much NA League of Legends as possible. Like you're going to want more. You're going to want to see uh, TL versus EG again. See if like, okay, maybe if they didn't play Lucianami, like for what it's worth, I actually kind of hated TL's draft when I think about it more uh like the more the more I think about it, the more I actually dislike that draft because they only had one lane of prior, and then they didn't scale better. Um, but uh, yeah, don't want to don't want to get too down on best of ones. It's just a, it definitely feels like more than often uh, this split there has been a team that we are excited about and then almost as if on cue when we say this team is not good they'll win hundred thieves or this team is legit mm-hmm. flyquest they will lose. Which, which, which happened today, FlyQuest lost to TSM. Uh, we could, let's, let's spin this into a game. So we have here's the surprise teams. We have CLG, five and four, FlyQuest five and four. Um, and I'm just going to throw in TSM there at three and six. Like which of these teams is the most legitimate, like, oh yeah, there's some positive stuff going on. Like which team are we most sure of is, is trending upwards?
1: Um I want to say like it's kind of a tie between CLG and FlyQuest still for me. Probably FlyQuest only because like sure they they laid an egg today, right? Mm-hmm. But I still really loved a lot of the fundamental things that I saw from them this split specifically. Yeah. Um I feel like last split it was a lot of Oh man, Tokoy coming in is going to be—he's he, such an asset for Jose Deodo, and yeah. and Jose Deodo has suddenly has like so much more room, much better communication with his lanes. Um, but a lot of that got written off because some of their wonky drafts and the the smite top, um, yeah, kind of relying on that. Yeah, and I don't think they had nearly as good fundamentals, which part of it is just like most of the team, the core of the team has been allowed to grow from, from spring to summer. And that's naturally going to happen. Philip as many individual mistakes, as I'm sure people are pointing out in terms of like his mechanics and sometimes like moment to moment decision-making does not seem like a bad fit for this team. And I think one of the reasons why he's performed above expectations generally Mm -hmm. is, uh, because, and again, obviously he had a really rough game today. Um, is because of the team itself and and the fact that the core was allowed to stay together, develop, et cetera. So I've still liked a lot of the things I've seen from them. I still think their bot lane has per- been performing really well together. Um, You know, Johnson looks like, I remember when he initially kind of burst out into the scene on dig with Afro and, and everyone was looking at him. It's like, Oh, is, is this, at, like how good is he he's looking really good right now mm-hmm. um it's cool to see him return to form especially like receiving pretty much constant twitch bans now right i can't remember yep. the last time it wasn't banned against him yep since uh you know since they had that string of games so like they the wukong twitch kind of shell that mark pointed out that that was really good and we've seen other teams use it in, in lpl K, LEC. um they recognized that that was just a really strong combination, right? Like they, they were like, okay, not only is this really strong due to like a broken mechanic that we're going to abuse, which you and I talked about how quote unquote legitimate uh, Mm -hmm. going in and, and testing out a strategy, like the smite top is, but like, this is more like I can see their fundamentals are better as a team the things that they had improved on this spring haven't gone away in summer and they've continued to improve on them. Yep. And so it's always nice to see that from a team, even though, again, they had, I would say, their worst game of the split today.
0: Yeah, I I agree with your answer, so I don't need to elaborate on it further. I, I still think it is FlyQuest as well. I think of teams that they, they are, their performance doesn't actually align with their record as much as the other teams do. I think they've performed above their 5-4 and four record for the most part. With Twitch being an example, it gets banned against them every game. They're 1-2 and two with it. Those were super winnable games when they had Twitch that could have easily turned into victories. Last team I want to talk about before we go into a discussion on fearless draft, which maybe people haven't heard of, yeah. but we will, we will get into that as a little bit of a bonus conversation, is Cloud9 because they lost two Immortals today. They're, they smashed TSM. Everyone really just expected them to have this easy two a week, but they like it was a very long, drawn out game. Like seven dragons were taken. It was three dragons to three before Immortals picked up an Ocean Soul. There were like mul- or Mountain Soul. There were like multiple barons being taken, but ultimately, like they did lose to Immortals, a game that people wouldn't have expected them to lose. So,
1: Emily, what
0: happened? Why did they lose?
1: I think, uh, I mean, I think some of, because previously when we were talking about Cloud9's issues, we were Mm -hmm. like, how much of it is the, you know, not having their bot lane, their team not being able to be together, and how much of it is actual issues with the team um, and some of their drafts. And I know like, we we talked to we saw Blabber and Sven afterwards and they're just like, oh, like drafted, <laughs> draft drafted <laughs> yeah, that um, draft if which, which you can you can say what you want about about their draft and, mm-hmm. and any misgivings you have about it, but I do think there's still some flashes of like I'm not sure how this C9 team wants to play. Mm. They have an incredibly strong top laner in Fudge. Mm-hmm. And and by incredibly strong, I don't just mean like he can carry because obviously he can carry, but his fundamental understanding of the game is just really freaking good, and mm-hmm. he studies the game really well. Um, you have Blabber, who I think people really malign very quick quickly, I guess. Just yeah, two-time based MVP Blabber,
0: by the way, multi-time LCS <laughs> champion Blabber. But yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. he has the off game.
1: Just based on that one like MSI performance, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's of um, yeah. And then and then Jensen coming back, he hasn't looked I, I mean, I'm sure as strong as as he would have liked. Um and then Berserker and Sven who were still trying to figure out yeah. like how they want to play as a bot. Yeah. So like I just still think there's so many moving pieces. I did really you know, especially after coming in and the, and the TSM game, I did really want to see C9 come out and definitively just be, like, we figured it out. Like, we're so much more well-coordinated now, you know? Um, And I didn't see that from from them today, which was kind of disappointing. Like, and again, obviously, the caveat that I already said, best ones, sometimes you're just going to lay a stinker. Sometimes you're just going to have a bad draft or a draft that you don't feel like you can play out uh very well. But I of all of the teams like post break, it's it's weird because we have a morals on the other side who I did want to see improvement from, and I think we did see that. But C nine was the team that I was looking and I was like, okay, you guys have had more time to gel. You're gonna come in and you're just gonna obliterate uh, you know, two a week. Yeah. Uh and I was sad that that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, especially because like, yes, they finished fourth in spring, but for most of spring, there were one or two. It was like, who's going to win the split? C9 or TL? That's going to be the story. And even here here would be like my, like, hot take. Even if I throw away week one entirely, and I'm just judging them off of their four and two, I still have them fourth right now. Like, I still have EG, 100 TL. Sure, C9 could take a game off of them. Like, they actually did beat 100 Thieves, but With Mm -hmm. with with their overall level, that's kind of where I have them, and yeah, you expect it to be, you expect it to be higher than that. So I think they still have a lot to improve on. And on that on that week one, I know we've mentioned it before, but I think it's worth restating. Mark really loves this point. Like they lost to TL and EG in that thing. Like it's you can explain away that loss with not having a bot lane, but like what's the percentage that they lose those games with their full roster, right? 50%? 50 percent mm-hmm. 60 70 right it's not like there were free wins that they, that they would have been able to get especially with the way they've looked but they'll they'll continue to be compelling because uh, c9 TSM CoG those are always the teams that have the most legacy fans and always create the the most interesting discussion okay let's talk about let's talk about fearless draft you have some thoughts on this but I need to preface it for people that have no idea what this is so this is a little bit more of a It's a little bit of a format discussion. It's a little bit of a Global League of Legends discussion. But there was some news that the LDL, which is the Chinese Development League below the LPL, for 2023, right, I believe? Mm -hmm. For 2023 is going to be instituting basically a new format. So it will be best of three. But in this fearless draft concept, the winner of Game 1 cannot pick a champion that was picked in Game 1
1: when -hmm. they go
0: into Game 2. So 10 champions will essentially just be out of the pool only for that team. The losing team can pick from anything. And then in Game 3, any champion that was picked throughout the series, which will be anywhere from 10 to like 20 champions, is not able to be picked in Game 3. So it's uh, another layer of let's give the team that lost Game 1 an advantage in Game Two to maybe more likely create a Game Three, but then mm-hmm. also like forced champion diversity for excitement. You are very against this. You should. I, I'm you like should go vehemently
1: first. vehemently against. I'm vehemently yeah. against this. Um. So part of it uh, is an inherent bias that I know I've told you about, mm-hmm. which is. I saw and heard from Overwatch teams that had to prep for something that's not exactly this, but right. kind of similar, uh, to try to get you know viewers viewers more interested and in, like more exciting games, um, which was pools where they mm-hmm. would go and basically from I believe it was the top however many champions they'd randomly pick like a certain amount that you could not play for the next week. And yeah. then they would rotate those back in, and a different pool would be. And oh my gosh, having to hear from coaches and players to to prepare for this, uh, mm-hmm. it was nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're, the, I think, and this is a very valid response, your response would be, but that's at a competitive, like professional level, right? Mm. Like this is at. A yeah, like was it more level.
0: entertaining for the people watching that they were seeing different team comps? That's kind of uh, like I think it was, I
1: think it was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Like I I think that's the part that's inarguable is mm. that having teams be forced to come up with like really creative compositions and and just having a viewer being able to be like, "Oh, damn, like I haven't seen, you know, I, I don't even know. Cause the, I'm looking at an example, but these drafts are kind of <laughs> still yeah, kind I mean, of boring by the champions they got to. But like, they're you know, like, oh man, I haven't seen a, a Jackson LCS in a while. Wow. Like, that's awesome. Um, I think the big thing for me is cause the other argument for it that I've heard is that it helps with development, right? Because you can no longer be a quote unquote one trick or you can no longer specialize in a certain very limited champion pool. Yep. and make it to professional level and then have a problem with, oh, man, I am really struggling playing you know, XYZ champion that just got into meta. Honestly, this happens a ton. If you look at League of Legends historically, I think a lot of like, drop-offs with individual players and rises can actually sometimes be very much tied to, to champion picks in the way that the meta evolves. Um, but in terms of developing players... My argument is that I really dislike it for a development league. Yep. And the reason is because I do feel like, and obviously you will get to a point where maybe your player is just bad at the champion. <laughs> maybe they don't understand the matchup, but in terms of like matchup specific stuff, I think that can be taught at a pro level Whereas some of the fundamental stuff that you might be working on with a player in terms of overall, like, uh you know, wave management, communicating with your team, like going back to one of the examples I gave up previously, like someone stacking a wave on you, yep. what do you do in that situation? How do you communicate that? How do you decide that your are specific situation is worth the team's attention and or if you know the dive is going to happen how do you communicate that to your team so they can make a cross map play that kind of stuff yeah i think the fundamentals of the game are a lot more difficult to teach to players yep if you then now have to add in all this other matchup stuff
0: yeah i the the quickest way i can encapsulate that is like you if you're like a... If you're me, um, and I'm playing Udir, who's a champion I've played probably a thousand times, I am just playing League of Legends. I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about the buttons that I'm pressing. But when I play Belvath, I'm playing the champion. I'm actually not playing League of Legends. I'm just fighting the champion to figure out what is happening. And the pro game is an even more higher level of complexity. So I completely agree that it is bad for development. But I'm still very, very intrigued by it. Um, but here are some additional barriers for why it could still be bad. Um, Which is also why, like, it's so hard to change a draft or a format in general. Uh, And I think it kind of ties into best of one versus best of threes too. Like in an ideal world, any type of development system has a way of laddering up to the league or the competition above it. Mm -hmm. So that's why, like, at least right now, I like how many games NA Academy plays like the fact that they're playing like a lot of times best of twos like they just they just play two games and it gives them more stage time and it still contributes to the standings it's not super ideal for viewership engagement but that's not the point of the development league So give them a large volume so they can get reps and then maybe move up to the LCS. It's also why I'm kind of okay with best of ones versus best of threes because if you only play best of threes and it's like, yeah, best of threes is great because you can in some drafts and you can get some do-overs, but then you go to worlds, you do not get do-overs in worlds group stage. So as long as worlds group stage is best of ones, it's fine for regional leagues to be best of ones. That's kind of the way where I see this and that'll tie in to Fearless Draft. Like if Fearless Draft was worlds format, and when G2 goes up against T1 at Worlds, it's like you get three points for a 2-0, you get one point for a 2-1 or something like that, and you find a way to make it engaging for the viewer and you don't have every matchup going three hours. You find ways to cut time in between games or you know, make them play three games in a row or something. Like some weird world like that, I would kind of be more down for it to work, but having globally everyone... I I think that's why it's so important to have everyone globally be on very similar systems because it does all have to ladder up to, to the same sport at the end of it. And this, this almost like it's such a big draft change. It almost changes the sport. So you're practicing, you're practicing in a much different rule set than the league you're trying to qualify for, which is why I would be against it as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I also think like, so right now looking at NA Academy, first of all, they're playing best of twos. Um, which actually in my opinion and I brought this up on broadcast before you know what LCS sometimes has an issue with and what academy teams don't have any issue with is coming up with really creative drafts like yeah. they will try stuff out right like they will play uh pick new champions a lot more readily um and i'm sure part of that is is uh you know the the best of two formats you're just trying to you're getting in so many games but mm-hmm. then additionally they're just a lot more willing to to take that risk yeah. and already without um having something like this like enforced mm-hmm. uh but yeah those are those are my issues with it um i just don't think especially so like if i'm talking about it for in an na specific context like if someone had posed the question like should na academy implement something like this Hmm. my answer would definitely be no um only because we're not at the point where we have this massive player base to pull from right like we are not at the point where our development league is massive. And also some of these teams have trainee teams even that aren't in LDL. Um, I, I
0: I want to change, I want to change the question though. What if, so, uh, I think a possible motive, and this is purely speculation, a possible motive for LDL doing this is because someone wants to do it in LPL. And it's like a trial run to see if this is just more entertaining League of Legends. So let's let's take the specific mechanics of Fearless Draft out of it. Like maybe it's not perfect. Would you be open to like, let's just make, and now we're talking about NA. Like let's change the way NA plays, even if it's not exactly the same sport as Worlds. Just because you it's going to be more entertaining
1: uh i mean i think if you're doing it at so for develop for the ldl to do it yeah. separately of other development leagues is not as much of an issue as if one pro league yeah did it
0: if anyone's gonna and do and then it.
1: is qualifying for worlds right and to me it goes back to something i've actually been thinking about a lot um when I was talking to Huni about season four the other day, because okay. I was talking about him and Gomsu coming up together when we were watching uh, Gomsu play and in the Diggy G game. Yeah. And we were talking about how like, you know, at, at that time, if you were a trainee, you're playing Shyvana and you were playing Renekton. And I'd actually gone <laughs> through like one of the champions tournaments and like 90 something percent of the top lane picks. It's like the most stagnant point and i'm sure there were others but like it's the most stagnant point any lane in a like region has been right she's four uh, in, in, in my else. in my mind yeah. yeah uh and obviously this is a tournament so it's a lot different it's not like a um it's not a franchise league yeah. system uh but i was thinking about like a lot of the stuff that's happened in the game since and uh the fact that the more variables you introduce to something, I think the more difficult it is to improve at the whole Mm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And I've always felt that way, even with some of the the changes that have come to League of Legends, which I guess kind of makes me like a, a League of Legends boomer a bit, where like my favorite parts of League are when There is a problem to solve in the form of like a champion or a composition Mm -hmm. that stays consistent enough over time that other teams have to adapt and find creative ways and the meta evolves that way. I Mm. think it's why I love worlds so much actually uh, in addition to seeing all the best teams, is because it's stuck on a patch and you have to see the best teams in the world over time try to figure out. So like once you get past that initial play in stage and the week of scrims where everyone has different scrim pockets mm-hmm. and then everyone is kind of adjusting and you try to figure out, okay, what team is going to be best at this meta that, that is evolving. That's really cool to me. Yeah. Like that's what I love about theory crafting and looking at league of legends analytically. Um So when there was those more like very stagnant times, obviously I knew fucking nothing about the game back then. Let's just be <laughs> real. Like, Compared to what I know about the game now, I, I knew nothing. None of us knew anything compared to, like, how yeah. much the game has evolved and how much our understanding of fundamental League of Legends has changed. Yep. Um, But I did love the idea that you can just take a certain period of time and you just watch teams try to figure out a problem. That's very yeah. interesting to me.
0: Yeah. it is. It also kind of opens up the the whole discussion, like, and this is like a Starcraft question like, Oh yeah, Starcraft that meta continued to evolve and they never changed it. Like it was perfectly balanced. Like it was just balanced to a point. And then there were things that could counter. And if you overinvested in one Mm -hmm. thing, it opened up counters to another, but league has always been counter to that where they rapidly change. And like the, where I'm going with this is it is possible that they are almost forced to rapidly change it because the game has shown that it can get stuck. Right? Like Mm -hmm. the game can get stuck on Shavana versus Renekton top lane for years if something isn't changed, which is why I think there, and this, like, I don't even think this fearless draft thing was done by like a game designer somewhere. This is just like LDL, someone made this format, but maybe there could be a desire for that to solve that Renekton Shavana stuckness where you could actually keep those champions at a power level and there's an easier workaround that isn't just buff or nerf those champions. But um, I'm actually in agreement with you that for the LDL, it is bad for development. I am Mm -hmm. very interested to just see if it creates interesting games and if it increases the viewership of LDL. Because then I think if anyone is going to make a disruptive change to the space, it actually would be the LPL. And they have enough weight to throw around that they could maybe maybe try and shake things up if it ends up being so I need to I think we actually it's a very small story, but it could end up being a big thing.
1: I will say the most cursed response I have is that I'm now I am now very incentivized to check out LDL, which is a league that I, I don't always have yeah. time to to pay attention to their games, right? But now I'm like, hmm, what's going on? You know happen. he's co streaming it. Maybe I'll like pop on one of his streams. See yeah. what's going on.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, but that's not until twenty twenty three, right? Or are they doing it right away?
1: Um we should, I, we
0: should definitely I actually
1: know this. thought they were implementing it soon. We should. Okay.
0: I will. We don't need to look it up now. I will put it in the video. We're description, mid-way
1: through.
0: Unless you're in you know week the answer five,
1: right a new draft game Holy mode. crap. Yeah, so week five. Wow. That's, previously matches the best of ones, but starting from July fourteenth, so it literally just They're changed. switching yeah. it
0: mid split? Okay, they're psycho. They're we're were crazy. Just, they will just do it. LPL once changed their playoff format like mid-season. Like they just do. They do league off stuff that the West would just never do. Um, okay, Emily, thank you. Thank you once again for joining well, thanks me. for having me. LCS Week 4 recap. Uh, hope to have you back again very soon, and we'll see everybody next time.